Hello, this is Alex Benjamin. Hello, this is Lucas Casanova. And welcome to the episode number six from Weinfram. Weinfram, the way. The way. Uh, today we have um, a very important uh, topic, I would say one of the most important topic that is related to the queer community. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about drug and substance use within the uh, queer community. Okay. Um, people who identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, or questioning, in general, LGBTIQA+, mm-hmm. often face a social stigma, discrimination, and other challenges not encountered by people who identify as heterosexual. Yeah. They also face a greater risk of harassment and violence. Yeah. As a result of these and other stress stressors, Sexual minorities are at increased risk for various behavioral health issues. And one of them is actually drug and substance addiction and use. Um, Why is that, Lucas? Mm, We can call that, that what we usually suffer is called minority stress because you are not part of the big continuum and you don't feel accepted so to cope with a sense of rejection you uh, try to numb from what you feel other people do to you so if you are seen as extravagant or flamboyant or or too feminine or too masculine or uh, that you are too promiscuous or that you are too sensitive um, all these kind of things have an impact on our self-perception, on our sense of safety, mainly. We feel unsafe in this situation. So what we end up doing is to have a lot of coping mechanisms to deal with the minority stress. And the thing is that everyone has a level of stress in their lives, right? But Uh, Usually people are more invisible to society in the terms of what they do, uh, how they live, and we are plainly visible, like a sore thumb, like an eyesore. So this is why we are more prone to go into um, coping mechanisms, and drugs are a coping mechanism of choice especially because uh, for some people they let them release the pressure that they suffered or they let them perform as if nothing is happening. For example, I am having a very, um, I am trying to have a very productive morning. So I am here with my coffee and my coffee will reduce my sensation of being tired and will let me uh, record this episode and have uh, an active uh, mind. We use lots of coping mechanisms of many ways during the day. Uh, using coping mechanisms is not bad as itself, but it's very important that we know that when we can't stop using something as a way to connect or to solve an issue, then then it becomes a problem. Yeah, I <clears throat> I also read something, uh, it was very interesting, I read it yesterday, that says also pressure from within the society, it's also increased. Yeah. 
the substance use and that was like really interesting so what would we say for our people in the society that are as a factor of this uh, pressure um we are also for example asking between men is very common to us uh, uh, from each other to be always willing for sex uh, always in a good mood uh, in distress we we need to become real and multidimensional not just see ourselves as um as a bunny that has to go all the time like the energizer bunny but to understand that there are times where maybe we are more introvert maybe we want to say no maybe we don't want to date that night maybe we want to go out and just come back after a couple of hours maybe uh, we feel overwhelmed uh, dealing with uh, notifications in our phone and we need to put our phone away. There are many, many things that you can, that you can do to uh, understand that you're not feeling pressured, but you are also not pressuring others into performing. Yeah. Uh, I, I prepared some questions that uh, yeah. was actually asked by some of the... Um, uh, our audience yes but i just wanted to stress on something that we don't judge people if they are uh, taking uh, drugs or using weed or whatever we in chaivad and we don't judge people uh, no and that no no our approach is i know it can be a bit controversial we are not pro drug use of course but we understand that everyone does what they can with what they have that will mean in the end that a lot of people will uh, self-medicate using drugs as a way to cope with a lot of mental health issues they can't sort by themselves. Some people are very good asking for help, going to a doctor and asking them what to do and how to sort this. Some people are not that good into that. They don't know if they are going to be hurt. They feel that the system is not going to understand them. And so we we go into peers that offers us uh, different things, and we try to deal with the things the best way they we can. So we have a very open mind into that. We are not judging anyone that has a problematic relationship with substances. We believe that is a is a very human thing. Our brain is naturally addictive, and we want to open the door for an adult conversation around this issue. Okay, so one of the questions that I got is, I use weed, is that considered as drug, and am I considered as an addict for using weed? Um, weed, is, um, weed is a drug, yeah, I, everything that you smoke or... Uh, any stimulant or relaxant, uh, something that works in your mood is is a drug. Uh, weed is not addictive maybe for 90% of the people. There are only 10 to 20% maybe that can be addicted to to weed and they, they need weed to function. Mm. Weed is illegal in Norway still, so far. 
and it can cause you problems with the police, uh, the queer community with a migrant background that are here, or residence permits uh, that are renewed um, yearly. Uh, they can be impacted by uh, um, a problem with the police with, uh, with drug use. And weed had been one of the possible um yeah one of the possible charges uh use weed or sell weed one of the possible charges that you can get beyond the security and safety measure um some people use it to go to sleep some people use it to relax after a, a complicated day if you are having weed every day then clearly there is a problem there if you feel that you can't go to sleep without smoking then there is a problem there if you feel that you can't have sex or relax uh, without having weed then you are using this to force yourself into a situation that you can't get yourself without that will require you to talk with someone that you trust about this and see if you are not trying to mask something that needs to be sorted in some other way and that brings me to the other question. If I, and it's also asked by some of our audience, if I have a problem or if some of my friends need help, uh, who to contact? And this question is actually by someone that is in Norway. So Okay. Um, there are lots of organizations that are what are called users organizations that are built and run by people that are dealing with drug use that generates a safe space where people can talk about everything that they would like talking about um there are lots of organizations that work uh, with different corners of society even some work with people that live in the streets or that they are doing drugs in the streets norway because of the weather and because of the isolation uh, has a lot of um, organizations that work with users from users, which is not uh, like a charity or someone that says, I will help the people in need. No, it, it's just a member's organization, as Shivern is, uh, a queer uh, migrant organization for queer migrants. In the same way, there are lots of organizations that work in that way. And you can just Google them. And there are lots of them very, very good. I don't, I, I wouldn't recommend just one name. I believe that if you belong to the queer community in Norway and you have uh, questions about drug uh, use, we have excellent uh, workshops and programs to let you know a little bit more about this. And from that point of start, you can, from here, know other organizations and how to deal with drugs safely and decide what you want to do next. Uh, the other question was, um, did Corona made the substance abuse worst? <laughs> oh my God, yeah. Yes, because as we had been speaking about minority stress, um, lots of people in our community depend on the network that they have and the network had been smashed by the restrictions that of course are needed to um, 
make possible that um, we stop the transmission, but also uh, will is very important that we understand that these restrictions are also protecting the health system, health system that is also needed for people uh, like us. So uh, all this is the good part. The bad part is that people that can't connect with others, they feel very lonely. They have lots of feelings that they can't process and bring out. And that uh, increases uh, drug use because of the violent situation that they're in, because they are not in the house arrangement that they would like, because job uh, has become, uh, to work has become a lot more difficult. Lots of things increased worldwide the use of substances. Uh, this is why um, there are lots of recommendations about drinking or not drinking at home, especially if you live with kids. Which kind of example do you bring? People feel bored. So to cope with the boredom, uh, some people use substances. It's very important to understand that um, this kind of behavior appears when we feel stuck or inactive or overwhelmed. And that happened or is still happening a lot during Corona times. And that brings me to the last question. Uh, someone asked, what's the difference between dependence and addiction? Mm, uh, for that, I think it would be good to go to the etymology of the word addiction, where the word addiction comes from. Mm -hmm. Addiction comes from addictus, from the Latin, which means that there is a person with inability to write. Uh, you know that uh, in the in those in the ancient times, to have the ability to write, uh, you were a free person. Only the the slaves weren't able to to write. Um, I like to define the addiction as problematic use because maybe you can use uh, some substance every now and then, maybe drink a um, glass of alcohol and you're fine. And another thing is to have a glass of wine with every meal or with every dinner or uh, sit down with a couple of friends and drink a bottle of wine every time you drink. Mm, problematic use is when you can't control the use and I know that lots of people believe that they can't control the substances that are controlling them. I was one of them. I used a lot of alcohol when I was a teenager because of my my situation as a as a queer as a queer teen and I had the idea that I controlled everything that happened that I was fine with it, that it was my choice. And it took me a long while to uh, recognize that I wasn't able uh, to uh, perform in central social interactions if I didn't drink before. Um, I believe it's um, very human to depend on things. We depend on love, we depend on work, we depend on food, we depend uh, life is very frail and we have lots of things that we need around us to ensure that we are okay. 
um, and that we will be able to move forward. Uh, I don't believe that there is much of a difference between depending or being addicted. Um, you can try, for example, if you can go through the situation that you wanted to go through without that glass of wine, without that uh, joint of weed, or without, I don't know, whatever you feel that you want to use to be able to move forward. One thing is to use uh, substances as uh, recreational, and for that each substance have uh, a safe side or an unsafe side. Uh, we repeat again, uh, drug use, legal substances are for a reason called illegal in Norway, and we are not promoting the use of any substance. We understand that some people use them and that they became dependent because they didn't know that there are other possibilities. We see of course. in our programs, lots of people that um, when they start going to the doctor and when they start therapy and we start talking about this, they realize that their sleeping problem could be sorted by um, very simple over-the-counter medication or some prescription for a couple of months to, so they can regulate their sleep. So they don't need to go to different areas of Oslo to buy hash or to fight with uh, their um, roommates or landlord because of uh, the smell or uh, I don't know, lots of things that happen around uh, use that make our social life more complicated, especially loving relationships. Yeah. And uh, of course, uh, I would want to say never use labels because I always hear things like, oh, he's a junkie addict or something. No matter who you're talking to, whether to people with health conditions, people with disabilities, transgender, people or non-binary folks, people with addiction deserve the same decency and respect. Language is what allows this compassion to thrive. Let's work on breaking these oppressive chains and see what a compassionate world has in a store for all of us. Doing this will not only help us cope, but help our loved ones actually get the help they need. The behaviors of a person with an active substance use disorder may make you not want to be com uh, compassionate, but without compassion and empathy, all we're left with be a world, a world of hurt. I, I love that to, to close uh, this, this episode of, of the podcast. I, I am, as you know, I am a Buddhist and for me compassion is, is key. Compassion in Buddhism is to be able to step in some other person's shoes so they can see so we can see what they see from their perspective people don't like to be addicted people don't like to depend on substances they use these as boosters as um, coping mechanism as numb sub, numbing substances to be able to move along with the world and maybe even to connect with you. So keep your heart and mind open. Until the next episode, uh, thank you for uh, joining us. Thank you, Lucas. Thank you, Alex. Uh, we'll see you very soon uh, again 
on Instagram, remember, at Scheibverden. Uh, you can text us and tell us what you would like to hear about in the podcast, what do you think about the episodes, and share your experiences with us. We are here for you. Adeba. Adeba.